The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. Uh, Michelle, great to share the stage with you. It is fun. Uh, We get to do this a couple times a a year, so we've been looking forward to this. Mm -hmm. And we're completing this morning our Adventures in Faith program, which has been going on for the last uh, five weeks. And want to uh, thank everyone who participated in a small group or led a small group. And uh, especially want to thank our incredible uh, committee made up of congregants here who helped come up with the theme, uh, the talk titles, wrote a couple sermons for me. It was really great. <laughs> I didn't know you had I that want kind to of honor Cindy Babb, Jim Babcock, Peter Candell, Lindsay Portencaso, Jesse Sanders, and Reverend Zamira Jaswirska. So grateful for them. Oh, wonderful. And what did we talk about, Michelle? I talked about are we there yet Mm -hmm. and the problems that can come up with too much destination thinking. Yes, and then I continued on with a conversation about being really present and and being right with every single adventure you're on and really staying present to the adventure. Oh, and to to mirror that, I talked about the the wisdom of getting sidetracked and lost along the way. Yes, and we all enjoyed for about a week telling each other to get lost a lot, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that was good. Uh, Yeah, and then uh, last week we talked about roadside assistance and the value of getting help and being willing to be helped along the journey. And uh, we we end with the question today of, of where do we go from here, yeah. and uh, in in both I'm preparing, she didn't say, "Don't make me turn this car around." Don't make. Oh, that would have been good. <laughs> Don't make me come back there. God says to the. Um, <laughs> but our our question is is where do we go from here? And preparing um, at different times for this message, we both rediscovered serendipitously a T. S. Eliot yes. quote, uh, the great um, poet and playwright, and he says this. He says, "We shall not cease from exploration." And at the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. Mm. And to me, it's a great reminder that when it comes to the real adventure of life, it's not about how far you go or where you got to geographically. It's how you shifted in consciousness, right. uh, how you deepened. It's, it's about the, the depth of the life that you achieved to find yourself, even when you've come back to where you started from, uh, with a deeper experience of life. Definitely. And I know it can be discouraging to feel as though we've, we've returned to some adventure we thought we were complete with, like, oh, I'm here Here again. Here I go again. Yeah, here I am again. But I think you're really powerful in suggesting that we are different when we show up there. Absolutely. There's Mm -hmm. an old uh, Nelson Mandela quote as as well. He says, it's an amazing thing to return to a place you haven't been in a long time to see not how it, but how you yourself have changed. Absolutely. And the adventure of life is kind of like that in its cycles and its moods to realize that in some ways it's the same stuff happening over and over again, but, but it's us who's deepened mm-hmm. and changed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in the spirit of adventure, I just wanted to ask you today, uh, Michelle, just to, uh, to tell us about, you know, a great adventure in your life and what you've learned from it. Mm-hmm. Well, I've had so many. I'm so grateful for all of the adventures that I've had in life and how they have truly deepened me. I, I believe that there's nothing out there trying to trip us up. There's nothing out there trying to challenge us, but that all of our adventures are exactly what you said, an opportunity for deepening. And I'd say the greatest adventure that I've had in this lifetime thus far is that of parenting my beautiful son, Jesse, 
who's about to turn 21 in February. Um, and when he was first conceived and through, the, through all of the years when he was a little guy on, I felt very anchored and centered in the adventure of parenting. I felt like I pretty much knew what I was doing. I, I didn't always, but I felt pretty centered. And then he became a teenager. <laughs> now, to his credit, a lot of things changed, right, as he was becoming a teenager. Big things changed. Um, his father and I separated and divorced. Uh, I took a job in Denver and uh, in proposed moving, and he got to make a choice about coming here and being here part-time and being with his father part-time in Arizona and moving back and forth, coming into a whole new life and, and not having friends and a whole new town and a whole new school. And there was a lot of newness in his life. That combined with, I think, what what happens to us at different times in our life, often when we're teenagers, the hormones, the shifts, the, the seeking to figure out who we really are, he fell into a crisis, into a dark, dark night. And he became uh, very uh, frozen in his life, very anxious, depressed, and even suicidal at one point. And I didn't know how to navigate those waters very well. I, I'd navigated them with people that I'd counseled with as a practitioner and a minister, but it was, uh, it was heart-wrenching to navigate those waters with my very own son. And what I can say about those, that adventure is that um, the roadside assistance that I received was huge. It was tremendous. I would sit often in our ministers' meetings with our colleagues and just be at not sure what to do, not sure how to help this boy, not sure how to motivate him, how to support him, what would help him best. And I got so much love and support from all of my ministerial colleagues, from our staff, from my friend Greg Moss, from Dr. Barry, who would sit with me after meetings often and just coach me and support me and or encourage me on and give me great ideas. Got support from Jesse's father, huge support, support from my husband, Ken my wonderful husband who was always there with resources and support and it was because of the community that surrounded me and Jesse that we continued on in that that journey and uh, I'm proud to say that today we managed to move through that adventure and Jesse has now stepped over some invisible threshold through all the help and support that he got on that adventure and is now thriving in his life and has moved out on his own is happy has friends it's just really wonderful yeah but I'm really clear that it was because of us having community around us here at Mile High and beyond that we continued to thrive and that he continued to thrive. And so I'm so grateful. I'm grateful to all of my friends and colleagues. And the journey continues as I watch him now become his own person. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, you're an incredible mom, Thank too. You. And uh, something that I, I've learned from you is you have this amazing ability uh, to hold him so close to your heart and yet let him be yeah. with trust to become what he needs to be. That's and there, there's an adventure lesson in there. That's tricky. It is. Uh, to do, to both uh, protect his solitude and his being to become, and yet uh, to you know, smother him within yeah. <laughs> with, all, all, you know, with all the love that you have for him. Yeah, I yeah. want him to be happy and fulfilled and to be whole in his own life, for sure, more than anything. Yeah. What about You're you, You're a great Reverend? example for him, too. Thank you. <laughs> and what about you, Reverend Josh? Well, it's, it's, it's funny. Adventure. I think about my, my son, too, as one of the great uh, adventures and blessings of my life. And uh, as, as you know, um, uh, my son is not my biological 
biological son and uh, his mom, who's now my wife, we've been friends for over 20 years and I always remember her. she was one of the first people when she found out she was pregnant at 19 years old, uh, uh, she called me and we talked about it, can I do this, all of that, and she said yes to having uh, her beautiful boy and uh, about you know four years or so went by and uh, I think I was more choosing relationships that go boom at the end at that time. Uh, and uh, they lived in, in Las Vegas and I lived in Southern California. And uh, about four years later, I had been maybe two years into ministry and I was working in San Diego and I was at a bar having a beer and maybe I was on my third or fourth. And I remember <laughs> I just stopped and I said, you know, I, I just really think I could be doing something more constructive with my free time. Mm-hmm. And have you ever had that experience where you kind of planted a seed of intention and almost wanted to rip it out right then? Yeah, so and minute, and you could almost hear the universe go, I've heard you, you asked for it. And it was a very short time after um, uh, April and, and her son always wanted to live in Southern California. Um, I got a job close to where they moved to. And so um, mm. I would commute and get to stay with them. And there, there was something about this young um, boy, whenever he would, he would talk, uh, I'd feel this kind of electric energy around the heart. And whenever he uh, would cry or laugh, it was like a shock. It almost hurt. Mm. Uh, the, the only other time I've experienced it now is when my daughter yes. uh, laughs or, or cries. And so that was, that was calling. And, and uh, although on the, on the side, uh, his mom and I were building this relationship that would grow into marriage, um, I wasn't having a relationship with him that was through his mom. It was this individual relationship. And one of the honor it was to, to um, answer that call that, that he had to have um, a male presence in his life, care for him and love him. And, and what a blessing it turned out to be for me too, not knowing what each step was going to be along the way, but just trusting it. Mm. And I'll always remember being at the the church there on a Sunday morning. And I guess I was kind of in my head. I was kind of in my own tracks, wanting to be alone, wanting to get out of there. And he had been in his youth group that day and had behaved well. So he got to pick a prize. And so he picked something for me and he brought it over to me that that day I was standing at the door as church was letting out. And it was just this little... um, this little plaque, and it said, uh, the love of a family is life's greatest blessing. And uh, I actually brought it with me. It's on the altar here uh, today. And so in that moment, he became my teacher. And it wasn't long after that that he he sat me down at nine years old and said, "Uh, Josh, is it okay if I start calling you dad now? Oh, how beautiful. And I said, yeah, and I said, absolutely. And, and so amazing, even for a nine-year-old boy, you're so used to calling someone one name. He, he's never called me Joss since. Right. Mm-hmm. He's 15 now, so he's called me a couple different names. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> However. Right. Or said dad in a way that wasn't quite as loving. Yeah, dad. dad. Um, <laughs> and, and for me to get that title of dad, what, what, a, what a boon at the end of the adventure to get to gain a, a, a title that you do have to earn mm-hmm. over time, that it's not automatically biologically given, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, that, that tells you that you chose to either live for a power greater than yourself or put someone else's needs uh, above your own. And so that's why, in many ways, it's been one of the greatest adventures of, of my life. It's a powerful adventure, and I do love how you and Gavin connect and especially uh, seeing your whole family together. You're so integrated and such a beautiful gift to us here at Mile High Church with your beautiful wife and your beautiful new baby who's now walking. Nancy June is walking along. So we're so blessed to get to watch we're, your family be a part of our community, aren't we? Yeah. We're so blessed, aren't we? Yeah. Yes.
So with all that going on, which I, you, you've got constant adventures happening, just family, ministry, all that you're doing, what's an adventure that's now on your horizon that mm-hmm. you'd be willing to share with us a little about? Well, the ones that I, and I, I hope we can all resonate with this, but for me, what I really want to commit my next adventure to be is to really truly be committed to living a, a life in wholeness, uh, to not live a, a life in dividedness, partiality, uh, a sense of incompleteness or an inhibition, but to really say I'm committed to living a, a, a whole life. Uh, and and that, that's kind of demanding. You know, it's harder than, it than just sounding like a nice Hallmark card uh, <laughs> to do that. And what that means for me is when I'm setting those creative intentions for my life, and by the way, we're having an intention setting right here on January 1st, if you want to join us, Um, But when I'm setting those intentions, I want to make sure that I'm setting the creative intentions for my life from a place of my wholeness and not from a sense of my brokenness Mm -hmm. or incompleteness. So if I'm setting those self-care goals to exercise more and take care of my body, I want to do it because I want to express my vitality more, Mm -hmm. because I want to embrace uh, how beautiful I am. I don't want to do it from a sense of, of myself that might think I'm ugly or not enough, or comparing myself to others, because those negative places, that they're creative too. They are. And so I want to make sure I'm doing that from a place of wholeness in relationships. If I want to experience greater intimacy, I want to do it from a place that wants to express all the love that I have within me to share, not from the part of myself that feels empty, or that I need someone else to complete me, or um, express any sort of codependence, whatever it may be, uh, to really work hard on create, co-creating my life with spirit, from that place of wholeness and divinity within me. Mm, How about for you? Well, that's pretty deep. Mine's not nearly as deep, it feels like. (laughs) But it's a big one for me because I've been saying I wanted to do it for years. And I'm embarking now finally on uh, really writing a book, writing a book and expressing myself in that way. Yeah, it's... uh, Mm -hmm. The mystical truth. The mystical (laughs) truth. That's it. Yeah, no, I'm that's kidding, it. I'm kidding. It. I'm kidding. You can laugh. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it is, though, from a place of wholeness. It is that, that I, feel, I, I feel aligned with uh, the author in me that wants to express. And I've so loved reading books all of my life. My grandfather was a, an author. He wrote many, many books. He, he was a, a well-known Western writer here in Colorado. Steve Frizee was his name, and he wrote for Walt Disney. And I feel like uh, writing is in my DNA. Writing is who I am. And so I've loved to write, but it's not been a skill that I've been as comfortable with. But I still feel that inner urge, that inner urge to say, I have, I want to express myself in this way. And it feels like in some instances coming from that place of wholeness that you're talking about, because it would be nice to to write it and and know that it feeds people and it serves people. And that's my whole intention around it. And it also is about self-expression. I feel comfortable expressing myself in this environment and speaking and talking, but it's a different environment environment to write. And so I'm finding the way to be creative and expressive and be me in that kind of environment. And I'm getting lots of help and support because I need it for sure. Lots of people stepping up to support me. Even our speaker today later doing a workshop, Tama Keeves has given me some really great advice and her advice really caused me to pivot and think, rethink the whole thing. But it's a, a powerful thing to express myself in that way. So it's, it's almost like giving birth again, you know? Uh, it's mm-hmm. really beautiful. And here, here you are, you've declared it in front of God I and know. everybody. I so, should have uh, just can we all write one of those little little things at the end? Said, you can have 20 pages yeah. of us praising you. Sure. I should have said something like, 
My major goal is to drink more coffee. That would have been a lot more simple, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, the universe says yes, and, and I've learned that in ministry too. There's, there's, we're always asked as ministers or as individuals on the adventure of life to always be vulnerable Absolutely. with those different voices. So I know there's something very precious in that written voice that's going to be going to be told. Thank you. Thank yes. you very much. <laughs> and so I, I'd also like, as we're you know, closing our, our series here, is there any um, last tips or things to think mm. about as we're all um, ongoing on the adventure of life? Well, as I said in the very beginning, I think for me, it's very important for each one of us to remember that our adventures are our unique adventures, all of them, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That um, my favorite saying from our founder, Ernest Holmes, is nothing happens to us that doesn't come through us. It doesn't happen through us. And so all of the adventures that we embark on, that we, we find ourselves in the midst of, I really believe that, that part of the, the power of life is to completely own and inhabit and be inhabited by those adventures and, and know that this is here, this is what's happening right now, I'm going to give myself fully into it. And another way we can look at that is perhaps non-resistance, not being resistant to the adventures that show up. I've watched many people go through challenges in their life, and myself included, where there have been times when something shows up and it was unwanted. I didn't want that adventure. It was a distraction or it was painful or it, it's the opposite of what I want and that my resistance will hang on and keep me stuck. And I've seen people stuck for years by their own resistance to this shouldn't have happened, I don't want this to happen, I don't like this. And so it's like we get kind of frozen, just like my son Jesse was frozen in his life for a long time. And the secret, I think, seems to be to look up and look around and be non-resistant and to say, you know, this isn't what I prefer. I would prefer something else, but here's what here's what's in front of me right now, and I'm going to step fully into it. And as you said, bring my whole self to it. Mm -hmm. Bring the wholeness of who I am to this diagnosis, to this challenge in my relationship, to this opportunity that's come my way. I'm going to bring my whole self into this adventure that's got my name on it, and I know it's got my name on it because it's happening right now, right here in my life. It's so. almost as if the, the fear really comes not in answering the call, but in that resisting the yes. call. And it's amazing yes. what comes through us when we step into it. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And what are your final wisdoms for us in this adventure in faith? Well, I, I think I'd go back to what T.S. Eliot was talking about in that aspect of the adventure of, of getting back where you, where you started. And for me, I sometimes like to describe my own spiritual journey as losing my glasses, looking all over for them, and then realizing they're on the top of my head all along. Yeah. And, and, and the adventures of life are kind of like that. And um, Joseph Campbell talks about something uh, that I've always found really valuable about uh, becoming the master master of two worlds. And what he means by that is that um, the adventure calls us away from home. Some of us unwillingly, some of us can't wait to get away. And uh, what we do is we, we make discoveries. We discover the jewel. We get the, we get the relationship we want. Um, and in, in truth, we, we get that deeper consciousness, that consciousness that raises up. But the other part of being master of two worlds is that you then have to bring it back home. Yes. And it, it speaks to that spiritual truth in the humorous phrase, if you think you're enlightened, go home for Thanksgiving. Right. It's yeah. that idea. Some of that, us are about to have that experience. Huh? <laughs> yes. it, it's, it's that idea that you then have to take what you've learned and apply it where you've been in mm -hmm. 
your life. And uh, there's a, they don't talk about it that much, but there's the story of Jesus when he goes out into the desert and reaches his enlightenment and he comes back home and he's doing miracles and healings in the synagogue one day. And there's a couple people in the crowd and say, isn't that Mary and Joseph's kid? Who does he <laughs> think he is? And the word gets around and all of a sudden, even the powerful and grounded Jesus can't perform any more miracles because there's that lack of faith. And so it's challenging and it's metaphorical. It doesn't mean you have to move back into your parents' basement. It doesn't have to mean you have to move <laughs> um, back to your hometown. But the idea is um, perhaps there's, there's a place that has a consciousness similar to where you grew up. Perhaps you've had a child who has the essence of who you are or a parent in them. It's that call to take what we've learned and not just stay out in the distance or in the clouds from that realization, but to bring it back to earth and really practice it in a profound way. So I invite those of us who are unsure about the next step of our adventure to think about just that. Mm, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, lovely. It's been great to do this with you it today. It has. Yes. It's been a wonderful adventure in faith. Yes. So. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, text 720-230-1404. Or visit us at milehighchurch.org.